quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. Here we go. Another Saturday. And Sunday on the replay, for those that get up on Sunday morning and listen to us, Jim Taddy, Perry Lefko with you. Perry, of course, an accomplished writer. Let's check in with him. Perry, how are you, sir? Well, Jim, I'm a game-time decision today. Not feeling the greatest, but decided to make it happen anyway. Okay, you're a trooper. I, I appreciate that. Coming up with the broadcast today, Gus Katsaros, uh, he works for McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. He's a numbers guy, so going to go back over the NHL season, figure out how he does his work, and see how the Leafs stack up. Uh, Dave Crickst will be by, and uh, he's got uh, an extensive resume. We know him as Cabby's buddy, but, but we'll get into that. But really, uh, head of TSN social media content and new media, founder of Bar Down, head of content for Much Music. And, uh, you know, Dave has done a nice job uh, advancing things in this business, and we're looking forward to speaking with him shortly. Uh, Kenny Walters will be by as well at Dark Claw 316, and, and he is uh, an unabashed Phil Mickelson supporter, Perry. So, I mean, what can you tell us about Kenny? Well, he's an administrator of the uh, the greatest player in the history of golf, and I say that because I'm a huge Phil Mickelson fan. He's had an interesting uh, couple of months, and uh, you know it's nice to see uh, a group start like that. I don't know if Kenny's ever met Phil Mickelson. Uh, I guess that's something that we can ask him. Okay, and then we'll play Yes Guy, No Guy later on. Before we get going, let me ask you this. Are you looking for an experienced real estate agent? Try Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage. He has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience. Looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service? Put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anybody. Also, Fox 40 is proud to announce the launch of Ron Foxcroft's new book, The 40 Ways of the Fox. Order your copy today at fox40shop.com. Net proceeds go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. So, Perry, the Stanley Cup final is done. The NBA final is on. And uh, Sunday, Wimbledon wraps up tons of sports going on it's just it's a great time and there's that optimism in the air because things are about to open up great time isn't it and the euro cup i'm excited about that um you're right this is a really good time for for just sports fans and uh even though the nhl season's over there's lots on the menu Oh, absolutely. Fun times ahead. Well, let's talk hockey now. Gus Caceros is here, and uh, he uh, his Twitter account is at Cats Hockey, uh, works for McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. Gus, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Our, our pleasure. So uh, the numbers, I mean, just give me a, a broad stroke answer. When you do the numbers on Montreal and Tampa and you do the Leaf numbers, what does that look like? Well, I mean, from the perspective of what happened to Toronto specifically, there was a breakdown after the game four that uh, um, I think tactically played into Montreal's hands and it altered the way that Montreal was kind of playing throughout the the playoffs. 
there was a, a very counterattack style that Montreal applied throughout the entire playoffs. Um, it was more of a play a turtle and a kind of shell game um, and then counterattack with turnovers, etc. Um, so that's kind of what you're looking at as far as the game flow is concerned. The, when you look at a heat map, you're seeing Montreal kind of controlling the, uh, the areas outside of the high danger scoring areas. Each of the other opponents that they have um, played, as the series has progressed, you actually see those heat maps as well. They kind of progress a little bit more to the outside. So Montreal did a very good job of protecting the middle. Overall, um, from the perspective of how Toronto did to the perspective of how Tampa Bay did, Tampa Bay is light years ahead of where Toronto was. They controlled the play. They controlled the game flow of the play for the majority of games. They were more dangerous in those high-danger areas. They consistently performed better on the power play, even with Montreal having such a fantastic penalty kill, um, 13 games without even allowing a goal at four on five and then allowing two to, uh, to Tampa in the last series. Um, like Those are telling stats. They tell you the distance Toronto has to travel in order to be able to be uh, earmarked as a contender, similar to what Tampa Bay is. Gus, uh, take me through the process here. I mean, you're talking about these heat maps, and, and so there's an illustration there of, of what the differences are. So when you go to correct the heat map, do you then go to a pile of players that, that might fit into a void on, on the Leafs? I mean, how do you do that? How do the Leafs do that? Well, I mean, for the Toronto really can't look at these playoffs in a bubble and say, you know, we need to do something to um, mimic whatever Team A or Team B is doing. They need to find an independent um, solution to what actually went wrong in the first round. Um, and those are other answers that they kind of um, um, aren't really, they're not really related to what uh, Tampa Bay and Montreal had to go through. So I think that Toronto's independence of where they need to go from here um, shouldn't really just devolve into what actually happened statistically with Montreal in the first round. It should be more of a holistic approach as to how they want to be um, and contend into the future. From Tampa Bay's perspective, going back to that kind of heat map uh, uh, analogy, and it's, it's really relevant simply because of the way that Montreal protects the house, which is kind of the middle of the, um, um, the high danger scoring areas in their defensive zone. When you have a goaltender like Carey Price and you're able to just shut everybody out from those high danger areas, it just makes his job that much easier as well. So you see this kind of repeating itself game in, game out through the entire series until they ended up hitting Tampa Bay where they were able to kind of pull apart Montreal a little bit more, get into those high danger scoring areas and concentrate really. So the heat map should show a high density of uh, of player concentration and play concentration in the middle areas, right in those high danger scoring areas. Tampa Bay shows that. Toronto, after the fourth game, starts to move away from that. Winnipeg almost non-existent, Vegas almost non-existent. So there's a there's a little bit of a um, a history as to how Montreal kind of got to the finals and what eventually kind of led them down. If there is a lesson for Toronto to kind of learn, it's that their style of play should lean more towards Tampa Bay and less towards a defensive counter-attacking style. You know, Gus, Jim and I are of the vintage when analytics was all about plus minus, nothing more than that. When did it change? When did everything uh, be broken down into segments so that analytics became a major topic of discussion when we're talking about hockey? You know, in the in the grand scheme of things, it really is a differential, a plus-minus type of situation. When you're measuring these items, 
Um, individually, you kind of measure on a plus-minus basis. One team did a little bit better, plus five better or minus five better, or that's converted into a percentage. So from the perspective of where the game is, the game flow, you can kind of tell, you could tell a little bit from a one nothing game. You could tell a little bit more from a one nothing game where I tell you it's 30 shots versus 25 shots. We could tell even more if we convert shots to shot attempts. Now it's 50 to 60, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of do a little bit of a plus minus um, effect and an analysis in that regard. So in the end, though, those are ideas that sparked other ideas that became much more influential when some math was applied. And so the math is a little bit tough because it's, it's above and beyond what a normal average fan would, um, would probably be able to comprehend. But in the end, the idea, as long as it has a hockey idea and it has a valid mathematical concept behind it, that's where you start getting these little things like expected goals. So an expected goals, uh, and it's, it's, you know, kind of speaking about that, it's very telling to see just how much more dominant Tampa Bay was from the metric of expected goals. So what that tells you is from a certain area of the ice, if a shot is taken, the propensity of that shot to become a goal leans toward one the closer that you get to the goal line. So the further away that you get from the goal line and the angle, et cetera, et cetera, they can assign a numerical value to just how valuable that shot is. That shot on a heat map now becomes even more influential because you can assign a numerical value to that part of the ice. So now from a coaching perspective, you know you need to win this as part of the ice. From a coaching perspective on the defensive side, you need to avoid that area of the ice. So the ideas have really become much more dominant, but it still has a base in plus minus. It still has that differential effect. It's just become a much more in-depth metric um, than what we were used to, let's say, 10 years ago or even five years ago. Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was sort of the standard, the plus minus, and now you're talking about expected goals or, or basically what, what should happen. So even in the last five years, from, from your work, how has this thing been fine-tuned or evolved? Well, I think that the concepts uh, behind expected goals, you see, the, the, the way that analytics kind of became more prominent was really just about shot attempts. So they expanded from goals and shots to shot attempts. And then Corsi and Fenwick, like all these names were applied. And then um, the kerfuffle was just about how exactly are we measuring things. Expected goals, and, and the conversation was more about quantity at the early part of analytics because you want a big sample size to, to normalize metrics. You don't want any big spikes. But shot quality was always an issue. So adding the component, the context of shot quality to shot quantity, which is what expected goals is really supposed to do, with some limitations, of course. Um, now it's not just math. It's not just analytics. Now it's becoming more um, idea-centric. Idea -centric. So teams can latch on to certain ideas and concepts based on where they go with their studies, and that becomes ingrained in part of their, their philosophy. One of those things is like pulling the goaltender. We used to see it in the last minute of every game. I remember growing up, at that last minute, you knew the goaltender was going to be – now they could be pulling the goalie between like four or five minutes, maybe even more extreme six or seven minutes, depending on how bad the score is. These ideas all became prominent because of the rise of analytics and how they became more prominent from that plus-minus beginning – um, to becoming more idea-centralized. You know, there's a school of thought that the team that has the better goalie is going to win. If it's a one nothing game, it's because one goalie had a shot and the other didn't. And if you look at 
the Montreal-Tampa Bay series, Tampa Bay had the better goalie, and Montreal's goalie was great, but just simply wasn't as good. How do you think about, what are your thoughts about that, that it really comes down in the end to who has the better goaltender? Um, I would not say goaltender rather than goaltending. So I think as we kind of see, like we are clearly moving away from the stages of the Patrick Waz and the Martin Brodeurs where they get the majority of the work and they get the results as a, a, um, um, because of that. Um, you, we don't see too many um, goaltenders that are able to kind of provide that type of a workload. We're going to start to see a lot more tandems, more ones, 1A, 1B situations. In that regard, then, it's not really just one goaltender. Maybe one goaltender is performing better. We call that getting hot. Um, and he'll win the crease for that, that period of time. But as long as you get, in my mind, if you have average goaltending and you could perform the way that Tampa did, and I say Tampa specifically because it's a, just a relentless style. When they don't have the puck, they get the puck. They control the areas around the boards in which they dictate the game. So those little areas can affect your goaltending. If I have the puck, my goaltender doesn't have to make any saves. So I don't think we can look at it from the perspective of just one player as rather the position itself. So let's kind of look at it from the perspective, again, from Tampa Bay and Toronto. Toronto, when we kind of think of a high-powered offense, we're expecting four, five, six, five wins and all of that. A good, high-powered, skilled offensive unit could produce two one scores. Now you're getting two-thirds of the goals in that game and still winning. Your goaltender has to be good enough not to allow that second goal. So that's kind of how I see goaltending moving forward um, and applying specifically to a little tournament like, uh, like the Stanley Cup playoffs. One, goalter, one goaltender can make a difference, but if he goes down, there has to be an adequate replacement, whether that's the replacement of another goaltender as in a 1A and 1B tandem or tactically and strategically up front to uh, limit, or limit the risk of more shots on goal. One way or another, that's where I think goaltending is kind of moving into the future. It's nice to see the Price and the Vasilevsky run um, this year because I think that that's a bit of a, uh, a screwy situation. I don't think that we see a lot of those really fantastic goaltenders both meet in the finals, um, and then it's just a matter of strategy or style that takes over and dictates um, who wins the series. Um, it was an interesting part this year, I think, because I'm not really sure we're ever going to see something like this again. Gus, appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jim. Thanks you, Perry. Have a good one. Gus Katsaros from McKean's Hockey and NBC Sports Edge. Uh, coming up next, Dave Cricks will stop by. Uh, at my man DK is his Twitter account. At Cats Hockey is Gus's Twitter account as well. If you're an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at West. Net. Stay safe in the water this summer. For all your marine safety needs, visit fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your entire order. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps and Apple Music. Now back to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. 
Welcome back. Use a Fox 40 whistle to be heard outdoors while walking, hiking, biking, and more. Walking, hiking, biking, and more. Visit fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Jim Taddy, Perry Lefko with you. This is the S-Guy Show. Our next guest is here, Dave Crixt, and he is the head of TSN Social Media Content and New Media, founder of Bar Down, head of content of Much Music, and many other talents. Dave, welcome. How are you today, sir? <laughs> yes, Guy. That's uh, like walking, <laughs> hiking, and biking. It's a lot. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you try to stick them all together into one word. That can be a little tricky. Uh, Dave, I'm very curious about all of this and, and your life with Cabby, but Bar Down, how, how did this come about? Oh, wow. Bar Down came about, um, I was uh, still working with Cabby and it just finished uh, producing off the record. And I was kind of trying to find out what I wanted to do next for TSN. I took Will Farrell as Ron Burgundy to Winnipeg. I don't know if you remember that game for the selling event. Yeah. (laughs) And it was great and it was fun, but it just didn't have a place to live um, kind of within the TSN environment. And at that time, there was Grand Land and and kind of other um, spinoff websites and things like that. And it it seemed to me that TSN, uh, there might be a place for that. And out of that, Bardown was born. So kind of long story short. (laughs) Dave, I want to congratulate you. You just broke the record (laughs) for saying yes, guy quicker than any other guest we've had. Uh, so, yeah, I can, I can tell you why, Perry. This is like, you can talk about anything from, from Cabby to Bar Down, but it all comes down to, to um, a little show we all grew up on called Sportsline. And uh, yes, guy, it was just in the, in the, the vocabulary. I believe um, it was that in a, in a, in a highlight uh, segment called The Chatty that we all love. I think that's what the name was, yeah. <laughs> the Tatsy Awards, yeah. <laughs> the Tatsy Awards, yeah. <laughs> Somebody just veered off the road. <laughs> I like your humor, man. <laughs> was, that's wicked. It's true, though. Yeah, that, that, that we we love that show, and I think it's an inspiration to the same. Jim, I know that every time I see you, I talk about that. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. um, it means a lot. Well, well, it just it makes it pains me now that bar down that we didn't create bar down or that you didn't see us and create bar down and and used our stuff because we really had no place to go either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so you're, you kind of live so bar down is, is is part of your DNA, and then of course, the you know the weirdness and the fun around sports like um, like bringing uh, licorice to all the media members in a press box, and Terry uh, uh, knows a little bit about that. <laughs> Dave, I got it. Dave, this is great. First, you said yes, guy, quicker than anybody else. Yeah. And now you've given the biggest endorsement of Jim Jim Taddy's lifestyle. Like, where are you going with today with what you're saying? No, that was that was a Perry Lefko reference because so the, I, well, I, that was. I used to bring licorice yeah. to everybody in the press box, but That's now right. you're giving me the the props. So, where are you going with all this today? <laughs> I'm deflecting. 
deflecting. <laughs> you don't want to talk about yourself. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because I, nobody ever asked me this. I mean, if I could do sports yeah. line, somebody should have said what's next, and, and I would have told them. Uh, so yeah. now that you, you've done bar down and all this other stuff, what's the next yeah. step? So the next step is much music. Uh, so what we found with bar down is, is – as you know, kids today, they love their phones, and, and that's how they're consuming um, sports, whether it be highlights or, or fun videos or even informational videos. Like that's, that's where they're getting it on, on different platforms. And it occurred to me that uh, that would also work for, for music, and, and that's where music videos are consumed, and that's where music interviews are consumed, and just content around that. So we launched that on Wednesday. Dave, I'm an unabashed 70s guy. That, to me, is the golden era of music. What is yeah, your yeah. golden era of music? <laughs> so, um, my personal golden era is the combination between Bob Dylan and Notorious B.I.G., so somewhere in between there. Wow. There's a lot of space there. With a broad range. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're both lyricists in a way, um, and words mean a lot to both of them. So, it's, you would think so if, um, when you first hear it, but... It kind of makes sense to me. I was just, when I'm listening to you talk about the much music thing, I mean, it, it seems to me just, if I go back, if I capsulize the last 40 years, um, the first step is I can make this available to you, and after people get tired of that, it's, I just want to see this part of it. Where do I get this part of it? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. and then these are kind of personal experiences for everybody, but I think for the artist and musician community, um, there isn't really somewhere for them to go and, and talk and have fun right now, especially in Canada. Um, I'd also say that Canadian music is, uh, this might be the best era of all time for Canadian music. I mean, the top musicians, maybe three or four of the top five are, are Canadian, whether it be Drake or Justin Bieber or Shawn Mendes. Uh, they, these are the musicians who are taking over the world. So um, it makes a lot of sense for this brand to be strong and come back for the next generation that doesn't really know anything about much music. Uh, so that's, that's the goal here. So when I think of much music, I think of J.D. Roberts, who's now <laughs> works for, I think it's like NBC, or I forget which one it is, right? But, yeah, I yeah. mean, how far back are your recollections of much oh. music and, and what it's become and some right. of the stars it's produced? How far back is my recollection? I mean, it goes yep. back to the Sportsline days. So I remember wow. Katie Roberts and, and the new music, and, and, and then, of course, um, Steve Anthony and Erica M, Master T, and Michael Williams, and, and all, the, all the great content and, and shows that they produced. And they were trendsetters in the media, and we hope to be following their spirit in a lot of ways. I think that yeah. if you look back on, on the old Much Music VJs, they were doing things in media that just weren't done before. They could be themselves. They could have their hair however they, they wanted to be. They could dress however they wanted to be. That was, that was significant, especially in the 80s. Um, but they were authentically themselves, and that's the goal here as well. This is not going to be something that the um, audience can't relate to, and I, think, I expect that young people will very much relate to our new VJ. Dave, uh, a music question, because I have a nephew who, who writes his own stuff and records his own stuff, and you can do that uh, with the right equipment, uh, the right laptop in today's world. But my, my right. issue with, with him is that I think he's very talented, is how does he get in the door? And, and oh, by the way, where is the door? Because I don't know that, that there is a door anymore for, for, I guess, developing Canadian talent, is there? 
there's so many stores. I mean, there's SoundCloud, which has been around for a while right now. But if you look at TikTok, that platform in particular is, is um, just launching careers and, and sounds that you can put up there, original sounds that pe- other people create videos around. It's, it's, um, it's an incredible platform. It's actually the platform we partnered with first to launch Much Music. Uh, because not just of it being a, a social platform that a lot of young people are on, it's, it's a creative platform that you can use sounds and music and, and other people can take those sounds and then create around them. And it's, it just seems like a, a great environment for young creative people. Um, there's a guy named Kiag from Ottawa. And if you go on that platform right now, a lot of the trending music that people are, are making videos around are his beats and his, his music. Yeah, I mean, Dave, I'm going to ask you the yes most guy, difficult yes, question yes you've ever asked before. Yes. <laughs> what is the greatest song, Canadian song of all time, in your opinion? Uh, do, you, do you consider the band uh, um, a Canadian band? Canadian, the single artist, band, group, whatever. Uh, I guess probably um, a wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Excellent choice. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that's uh, an epic song by by uh, one of the greatest artists of all time. Who got introduced introduced by into the Juno Awards by Bob Dylan. Well, there you go. Well, Bob Dylan was minutia. a big fan of Gordon Lightfoot, wasn't he? Huge. And shared a manager, Albert Grossman, back in the day. Um, I hate to do this, but you know you you brought up sports lines, so it's like going back to your childhood. Uh, give yeah. us your best cabbie moment. Oh man, so this this is um this is a tough one that it, like has changed over over the years. I mean, but if you and actually the way that we, we perceive it has changed because for a long time we we talked to a lot of athletes and we went to amazing events, but there was this kind of transcendent moment where Cab and I were lucky enough to. Um, former relationship with Kobe Bryant. He invited us to go on a, a helicopter ride with him. So we went with Kobe on a helicopter ride to practice uh, one day, and, and that was kind of the moment. That was our favorite moment of all time. Uh, and, that, you know, that narrative kind of changed within the last year. It, it's, um, it feels strange to say that, but that, that's kind of the moment for us. So I'm going to well, one last question, Dave, okay? Bob it? Dylan, what was yeah. Bob Dylan's definitive song? <laughs> so in your, in, your, um, in your opinion or my opinion? It's, it's, it's all about you, man. It's not about me. Yeah, my, my Bob Dylan definitive song is a song called Where Are You Tonight? The Journey Into Darkness by, on the Street Legal album. This they don't make incredible. them like that this anymore, like do historical they? Historical stuff you're bringing out. I thought you were going to say the times were changing or something like that, but you went yeah. you went deep into the catalog. <laughs> I know, and I honestly think that his new album might be one of his best albums of all time. Dave, have you ever? This is a weird thing to say on the way out. First of all, I appreciate your time. Have you ever wanted to be on Jeopardy? <laughs> no, of course. Who wouldn't? The answer, the answer would be, um, I believe, Cliff Clavin's answer. Like. Uh, with the kitchen, oh man, I'm I'm blanking now on the best answer. Uh, <laughs> who have they ever been in my kitchen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Um, but so, can we turn yes guy into a B? Absolutely, yeah. but uh, you, you just yeah. want to make sure that my my lawyer gets a hold of you and uh, we'll, we'll work that out. My, 
question. It's, it's, it's copyrighted because I saw someone on Twitter claiming that it belonged to someone else. Well, somebody always does that, but uh, uh, let me just get my lawyers out here. Ridout and Maybe are the Steve is the guy you want to talk to. I just I have his latest invoice, so Ridout and Maybe LLP will will help you out with that. <laughs> Perfect. And and Terry, what is the, your opinion of the greatest Canadian song of all time? Bob Cajun. To me, it's the okay. definitive Canadian song by the definitive Canadian group. So. Uh, Whenever anybody asks me that, I go right away, that's the song. But I will say, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, the words, just the melody, though, it's a great song. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's one of the greatest. Bob Cajun about Bob Dylan. Dave, really a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yes, guy. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Dave. There he goes, Dave Crickst. Um, and the, the uh, accomplishments are, are many. And I just want to add, because I like to uh, go out on the right note, and I don't like people reading into things. So the Hebsey Awards were the feature of Sportsline. And when he's talking about new music and, and much music, Jeannie Becker was uh, one of the originals. So I like to give credit where it's due. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation, about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055 or visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. And Fox 40, proud to announce the launch of the Ron Foxcroft book. It's called 40 Ways of the Fox. Order your copy today at Fox40Shop.com. Net proceeds go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. This is Yes Guy, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and I radio apps and Apple Music. You're listening to The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Kincaid Construction's painting team paints everywhere. They travel the GTA and beyond. Kincaid painters do it all. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at mtgdean. Visit his website, deanromani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Our next guest is an unabashed Phil Mickelson supporter. Kenny Walters is here. The Twitter account, at DarkClaw316, kind of ominous, but nonetheless effective. Kenny, how are you today, sir? (laughs) I'm doing great. It's a lovely Saturday down here in North Carolina. Good to get on with you guys, finally. Uh, our pleasure. Yeah, you were delayed uh, because of a preemption on another week because of a soccer thing. I think it was uh, going back to that soccer, uh, the Denmark player from about a month ago. So we apologize for yeah. that misstep. But but having said that, I mean the the attraction to Phil. I mean he's a, he's a he's a guy's guy, isn't he? Oh, he is. I, I think one of the big um, appeals about him is like when you watch him play, he feels like us normal duffers. Like, he's not necessarily going to hit the ball straight every single hole. He's going to smack it to the left, smack it to the right, and have to scramble to get out of it. Looks like kind of like when I've tried to play. <laughs> so tell me, how did Just the season. whole thing start? Because I found out about, the, you know, the site, the Facebook site, 
yeah, about two months ago, and I jumped on it right away. I'm one of the biggest Phil Mickelson fans. Love the way he plays the game, the chances he takes, the ah shucks kind of way he walks. So tell oh, yeah. me a bit about about the site. Yeah, so <clears throat> there are two Phil Mickelson fan groups on Facebook. One's a private group, and our group is actually the public group, which you know it has its own challenges since it's a public group. I mean, if you've been paying attention lately, I mean, those spammers have gone crazy since Phil won the PGA, um, trying to sell bootleg merchandise and whatnot. So a lot of my time is taken up trying to rid that stuff from the site. But um, as far as, like, I'm not the person that found it. So I, much like you, I found it, I think, probably not long after I first got onto Facebook, which has been, you know, a good, like, 10 years ago. Um, so just being a Phil Milkson fan, you know, looking for – you know, other fans and stuff. Um, so I ended up being, I ended up being getting in both of those groups, but by far I, I like the public group better because, you know, we are active trying to administer a group, whereas on the private club, it looks like their, their administrators have just gone AWOL and this, everything, anything goes on there and actually is a very poor experience, in my opinion. So I'm going to ask you another question. Have any of you guys in the club ever met Phil? Um, now that I don't know, I, some people have posted pictures with them with Phil, so definitely are members of the club that have. I mean, I have not. Um, you would think at some point when they come to like for the Wyndham in Charlotte or something like that, I would go out. But uh, Dave Pinehurst is coming up in the uh, U.S. Open rotation in the next few years, so I may try to get tickets for that, and then hopefully maybe I could finally meet Phil. So, Kenny, let me ask you this: uh, current Phil versus old Phil, which one do you like better? Um, I mean, as a golfer, probably old Phil, because, I mean, when he was younger, he was, you know, it, it doesn't, like, now, like, with the PGA, it just felt like an icing on the cake moment. Like, I mean, I have no, I'm a realistic fan. Um, I have no, you know, false beliefs that Phil's suddenly going to turn into his 25-year-old self and, like, start competing every single week. I mean, we've seen that he's, he's barely made the cut the last two or three uh, tournaments he's played. Uh, since the PGA, but I mean, that moment was just magical. Um, you know, I, I still hold out hope that someday he's going to break through at the U.S. Open, but reality says that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, we can always hope that Phil can turn the magic back in the next maybe four years one more time. But as far as playing the game of golf, definitely young Phil, but I think from, uh, I think you see even more now his, as he's gotten older, his affability with the fans and stuff has, has become uh, more prominent and something people notice more about him. And so from a personality standpoint, I think I like older Phil a lot. You know, last week, you know, there was an incident in, the, in, in a tournament in Detroit in which a journalist wrote a story about how Phil, you know, he had a $500,000 uh, gambling debt that was owed to him. And he wasn't guilty of anything, but Phil became very... You know, upset about the whole thing, he said he's not going to come to the yeah. tournament again. And then a day later, he turned around by saying, "You know, if I get fifty thousand people signing this support this petition, I'll come back next year." And he, he and his wife donated a hundred thousand dollars in charity. So to me, that was the ultimate Phil Nicholson. How this whole drama thing yeah. turned around in twenty-four hours. What were your thoughts about that? Um, you know. I understand journalists have a job to do, and I, I don't want to get, like, too upset about it, but, I mean, it feels like old news, you know, because it was from so long ago, and the guy he uh, that owed the money has already passed away. 
Like it, it, I don't know. I, I don't want to say the guy was intentionally trying to do a fit, uh, hit piece on Phil, but it had that feel to it. And I think, you know, Phil's management said something first about it, and then Phil kind of – and I, I'm sure Phil was upset about it. And he His initial reaction was from that place of kind of being upset, like, why are they writing this stuff about me? I said, I didn't really do anything wrong. I'm not the person that owed the money. And I think probably after sleeping on it for 24 hours, he, he realized that he probably could have handled that a bit better from a public relations standpoint. And I think that's what ended up happening. So he, you know, he found out about you know this charity thing that was going on, and encouraging people to help with that and doing something nice for people, and that he would come back. I think that was a smart move on his part, and probably the right move because I mean, you see, it, any tournament Phil goes to, like it's a benefit for the people who run the tournament and for the area. Because I mean, he he himself generates so much fan support and people wanting to come out and see him. It's got to be good for the local economy. I'm going to ask you, if, do you think Phil is underrated because, you know, the, 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 he happened to be playing at the same time as Tiger. And I think Phil's accomplishments, you know, have been kind of not looked upon as great because he hasn't produced like, like Tiger did. What are your thoughts about, about that, that, that um, particular situation? I think that's very likely true. I mean, I, and uh, I'm not one of these Phil fans that's going to bash every other golfer in the world. We have a few of those people running around. That's not my style. I mean, Tiger Woods in his prime was arguably the greatest golfer we've ever seen in our, life, our lives. Right? I mean, him and Jack are like, were considered the top two ever. I mean, and Phil was like really good. Phil being number two in the time of Tiger is not like something to be ashamed of. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, uh, he was overshadowed a bit by Tiger. Also, I know one time a local journalist in one of, you know, Phil's unfortunate times where he seemed to have the U.S. Open in his grasp and it slipped away at the end on him, made a comment on a local radio station that you know, Phil wasn't, you know, it wasn't that great. And at the time, he was sitting with three Masters and a PGA because he had already won his four. And I think there was, you know, for a long time, the PGA was looked at as like kind of the bastard stepchild of the majors. And then the Masters is always on the same course. So I think people really try to discount Phil's accomplishments, even though, I mean, most golfers would kill for three Masters and a PGA at that point in their careers. But I think when he won the Open uh, Championship, I think that's when people finally came around to wanting to get Phil his due because, I mean, uh, the U.S. Open and the British Open are probably the two hardest major of the four majors, just from course setups and everything else. And, you know, you go over to Britain and then you end up on a Lynx course. That's a extremely different uh, way of playing golf than the North American courses. So I think Penny, at that point, Phil started to get his due. Yeah. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but on the way out, just let me ask you a general question. Um, based on the fact that Tiger is not around uh, and the way you describe Phil, it's almost like Lefty is realizing that he has to sort of fill the void uh, that Tiger has left with, with, with fans and, and in terms of the, the PGA Tour. Would you agree with that? I think there's a lot of that. I mean, there's some good young golfers out, but I mean, right now, other than Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Koepka's uh, feud, is, are there any of them really moving the needle? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't name you probably the top ten golfers in the world right now, like off the top yeah. of my head. Like, just, yeah, well, and that's not, not, and that's not, just, they're not good. It's just that their personalities or whatever just are not hitting with people. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a void that way, and that Tiger certainly filled that, and, and Tiger slash Phil certainly filled that. So we'll leave it at that. Kenny, thanks very much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.
Kenny Walters at DarkClaw316 is the Twitter account. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, please talk to Dean Romani, TMG, SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Also, Kincaid Construction's painting team knows paint like Canada knows hockey. Residential, commercial, Kincaid painters do it all. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. This is Yes Guy, the radio show, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeart radio apps and Apple Music. Now back to the Yes Guy show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Welcome back. Final segment. Kincaid Construction's painting team makes it look easy. They bring skill, attention to detail, and professional know-how to every project. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. The game between England and Italy will be both bellissimo and brilliant. <laughs> yes, Guy, you've got everything covered there. And, and by the way, Sunday afternoon, Gareth Wheeler and I, representing both sides of the pitch, will be doing the uh, halftime and postgame show on TSN 1050. So one of us is going to leave the day happy and one not so much. Um, yes, Guy, no Guy, number one. The Olympics, no Olympics. There should be no Olympics this year. Yes, guy. Uh, yes, not guy. Be... <laughs> wow, the operator's really on that one. Um, I don't think there should be just for safety reasons. If you can't have fans there, you're you're putting the athletes in a very precarious, you know, position of having to make a choice. I think it should have been postponed another year. No harm, no foul. Agreed. Go. Yeah, I agree. I, I just uh, as it gets closer, I mean, now there's a there's a, an emergency situation and no fans can go. I mean, it's just it's precarious. I mean, you have to come out of this very conservatively and slowly and surely. And uh, the rush to return to normal it just doesn't work as, as we're seeing it happen now. But anyway, we move on. Uh, go ahead, sir. Speaking of returning to normal, Jim Taddy will be running as quickly as he can to the gym to start getting back into even better shape than he already is. Um, no guy. I'm gonna no cautious. guy. Yes. Okay. Good. There's an echo. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna be very cautious with my return to normalcy, just because I just think that we should be. And I know that there's uh, obviously there's financial reasons to move everything forward. I respect that. But for me personally, I'm gonna go a little slow. Let me do this before we move on. Kid Kane Construction's painting team makes it look easy. They bring skill, attention to detail, and professional know-how to every project. Paint it right. Paint it the Kincaid way. Call 647-501-4233 to arrange a free consultation. Yes, guy, no guy. I've got 90 seconds left. Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Lightning will win three straight Stanley Cups. No guy. Oh. And the reason I say that. No guy. I think what they did was pretty incredible. I think they should be considered a dynasty. But they're going to lose a lot of players um, just because of cap reasons. I think other teams will improve by it. I don't see it happening three times in a row. No guy. Uh, I'm going to go yes, Guy. I think they can. I know they've got cap problems, uh, but there's a long 82-game run here, and uh, I think they could find a way. 
how to do it. The ultimate question would be who's going to get in their way. And, and of course, you can't do the analysis based on what we've seen because we're now going back to a normal situation with the full 82 games. So I don't know who's going to come out of the woods there to, to, to get in their way, but I think they could squeak out another one. So I'm going to go with a, with a, a yes guy there. One more from you, please. At some point, some team will hire Rick Tockett as maybe an assistant coach, and maybe it will be the Leafs. Um, I'm going to say yes, Guy. I think he'd be a good fit with the Leafs. I think that uh, just his demeanor and, and how he played the game, and uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty forthright guy. I, I think that, that he's a, he would be a nice missing piece for the Leafs. So yes, Guy, for me. How about you? I'm going to say no, Guy. I think he'd be the perfect guy. But if something started to go wrong with Sheldon Keefe, there'd be the pressure to put in Rick Tockett. So I think he's a, he'd be a great hire, but not at this particular time for Toronto. And timing is good because we've just run out of it. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Yes Guy.